Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm. Damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about movies that have gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind over time. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me, luckily, thankfully, beautifully, is my wonderful co-host, David William Rogers. Hello to you, sir. What's happening with you, girl? <laughs> uh, David, uh, through the magic of the internet and planning and technology and foresight, uh, this is actually my first time recording a podcast back in the grand old United States, Los Angeles, my home base. Um, I have been in France and Montana over the last five weeks, and you didn't even know. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the power of the internet. Um, but it's good to see your face, David. It's and good I to see you, too. I missed you. Missed you. It's been it's been an adventure. But there really is no place like uh, like America, like the land of the free, the home of the brave. And and that really leads me to um, the movie that we are discussing today, David. What what movie would that be? We are doing Team America World Police 2004. Fuck yeah. Yeah, Directed fuck yeah. by <laughs> Trey Parker. Um, and it was written by Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and Pam Brady. Trey Parker and Matt Stone are the um, also creators of South Park. Yes, indeed. They are... Pretty talented comedy guys. Yeah. They do a lot of voices. They do a lot of poking fun. Uh, David, I think since you are the American in the room, you should do <laughs> the synopsis. The synopsis? Take, take it away. Okay, so you got you got this guy, right? Gary Johnston. And he's probably one of the best actors ever in, in the history of you know cinema, theater, whatever you want to call it. And he gets approached by um you know an organization team america and they want him um the guy comes spotwood he like runs the whole world police the team america team and he wants them to be an actor to go into a terrorist organization terrorist hotspots, and make them feel comfortable let him in so they can thwart right any um, weapons of mass destruction any terrorist plots and pretty much save the world so what they do is they go in and he, he puts on some makeup and some, you know, turns into a terrorist and he goes into these terrorist hotspots and they, they think they saved the day, but literally they know there's somebody else pulling the strings, right? And that's the leader of North Korea. So um, all these things happen. Um, we get, there's sort of a love story. Um, team police, they're <laughs> policing the world. Um, they cause a little bit of chaos and havoc uh, while they're trying to, uh, thwart terrorism and then uh you know things just work out it's a movie um that is action-packed but it's marionette action movie and a little bit of a musical and when you think about marionettes you wouldn't think this a movie like this would have a budget of 32 million dollars but it did and mm -hmm. i think it was amazing looking into this movie and seeing what it took to make this mm -hmm. and all the time and all the effort and all the people that had to come together to pull this all off so I, I think it's a very interesting movie. And from you being from Australia, I am very excited to see <laughs> what your thoughts are. Because there's a lot packed into this movie. Yes. Um, even though it's satire and it's funny and it's the marionettes. But there's a lot of, um, you know, politics behind it and a lot of things that were, have been on the world stage over totally. the course of like, you know, like a century. 
I think it's interesting to rewatch this movie now as well in light of, you know, America pulling out of Afghanistan and the discussion around that. And it's been, you know, almost 20 years. This movie came out in 2004. And it's interesting to watch it now because they talk so much about terrorists. And you have to think that, like, this was right in the wake of 2000 or of 9-11, you know, 2001. So I definitely saw this movie when it came out with my parents, which I hadn't seen this movie since then, I think. And I just had, like, while I was rewatching it, a massive cringe flashback of watching the puppet sex scene with my dad. <laughs> my dad, who I just was with in France, he has this laugh that is so infectious. He's just got this really, really infectious laugh. And I just remember him dying over this entire movie. He still, to this day, quotes Matt Damon. He's still, like, <laughs> you know... I mean, yeah, you ask an interesting question, David. Like, as a foreigner... America sometimes, I mean, this movie does push it to the 11th, you know, it pushes it up an octave. But yeah, you guys do come across as these real like, yeah, we're going to save the world. and We're going to do all this shit. And like the funniest part in this, in like this opening scene when they're in France is that they completely destroy Paris. They blow up the Eiffel Tower. The they Arc de Triomphe. The <laughs> they blow up the yeah. Louvre. And they're like, you're welcome. And all the French are just like, what the fuck? Like it would have almost been less damage if the terrorist attack you know, had yeah, happened. He's like, everything is bond. Yeah, everything is bond. <laughs> everything is good. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, listen, I love that Americans, some Americans have the self-awareness to be like, yeah, we really do come in as like a, the world's cowboys. And like the whole f- film title is uh, Team America World Police. And yeah. that is very much, I think, how America comes across sometimes. We, but it, we, Well, we can be that at a lot of yeah. the times, you know, now we're going to yeah. step in and it's good in some places, obviously, like, uh, when we got into World War Two, you know, that was, that yeah. was like, even though the situation to get us in might have been a little bit different, but to help out, you know, to go up against Nazis, all this stuff is good. But then other times like this where we're still doing this, blowing shit up and trying yeah. to get terrorists. But we just did this in Afghanistan with drone strikes. We killed a bunch of civilians and kids because yeah. we we're we made a mistake. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, how much damage are we doing compared to how much good we're doing? Right. And I think the movie really is such a good satire because it really holds up a mirror to stuff that is uncomfortable and like you know America listen I just saw it in Montana by the way absolutely love Montana if you haven't been to Bozeman or Livingston Montana it's such an amazing beautiful place but it was very eye-opening for me because every time I travel within the U.S. you know I kind of get aware of the fact that LA is such a bubble right and I'm out there in Montana and I'm, I'm meeting real Americans and I'm starting to understand how recent world events could have happened you know certain people being elected the divide between left and right because honestly when I was working out there we did not talk about politics we did not talk about COVID everybody's kind of polarized at the moment um, and I just like got to meet people and just appreciate the people for who they were like as people and then but then you like also remember that like this is the same country like collectively we're like fuck yeah america's the best we're the number one like you know and yeah it's just super super interesting this um this movie kind of makes makes fun of that yeah it's i mean i guess my point is like this movie is very much like playing into that american like psyche of like we're the best and like the american army it's there's just a lot of 
flag waving and a lot of like patriotism around America, which I don't think you necessarily see in other countries. And yeah, yeah, big part of that was 9-11, right? I watched this totally. really interesting documentary that uh, Spike Lee did on HBO, you know, HBO Max. I'd recommend it for anyone. Um, it talks about like just New York with COVID and then also like the you know, the 9-11 attack and how basically it's basically like how New York came together to handle COVID and then also how they came together after 9-11. But like you saw, like with flag sales afterwards, after 9-11, and then everybody was kind of like camaraderie and this is what we're going to do moving forward. Like we're going to take care of each other. And we now we have a, a common enemy that we're all pointing the finger at. Right. And that's what got us into that, into the war, like Afghanistan, Iraq, and you know those kind of places so i think 9-11 did help um for us to 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 be that way and you know everybody rocking the american flag and Mm -hmm. you know because it's kind of it came from a place of like well they fucked us over like we're gonna fuck them over kind of thing it's like we're obviously we were attacked right and before that you know there's always going to be the infighting within any country people disagree but until someone comes and kind of fucks up your spot then it's like okay now every you got all of our attention and i think that's kind of where that uh, a lot of that recently came from well it's interesting you know obviously we just had the 20-year anniversary of 9-11 and i was reading on twitter a lot of um islamic americans really felt um ostracized on that day and in the wake of that attack because um you know people were you, you sort of you know, saying like the common enemy. I think when you're afraid and when something terrible happens and when you're grieving, it's very easy to point the finger at people. And there are Islamic Americans living here who have, you know, been a part of America for generations and they felt very othered by, you know, a lot of stuff that happened. Some people were killed. Um, Yeah. Islamic Americans were killed after that. And um, I, they're scared to go out, like being mm-hmm. harassed, just like with COVID and um, people harassing and hurting, Asian killing a couple of Asian Americans because mm-hmm. um, they think it was their fault when it absolutely mm-hmm. wasn't. And this mm-hmm. is like that false information that gets out and people are going off emotions instead of mm-hmm. actually knowing the details in who actually came to hurt, uh, hurt us. Right. Yeah. Who was behind 9-11. And then it's just anybody that looks like somebody um is a target which is absolutely ridiculous and wrong you know islamophobia was totally on the rise and i think it still is you know these days i mean unfortunately we just haven't cracked how to not be racist as people like you know we're saying you're sort of saying like someone comes to your spot and blah 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 like at the end of the day, like I think if COVID taught us anything, it's that we are not siloed people. We are not countries. We are an, uh, we are a global community, you know, because mm-hmm. something something happens in Wuhan, China, it affects the entire planet. You know, something happens in uh, t- Tasmania, it can affect, you know what I mean? Like we're yeah. all connected because um, international travel exists. We are international people. So I, it leads me to talk about, you know, obviously the, one of the main themes of this, which is terrorism. They, they are very, um, they talk about terrorism a lot. They paint terrorists in a very funny, but like, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about it because obviously I think Trey and Matt don't come across to me as unintelligent. They don't come across as people no, that are deliberately they're, trying. They're very intelligent. Yeah. And they, they, they poke fun at stuff to such an extreme degree, but you know, 
every character that's like a terrorist in this movie, and I say that in like quotation marks, is um, all they say is like Durka Durka Jihad Jihad Allah, yeah. like right? Or like the uh, like the fake Korean accent too. Yeah, which yeah. is like or the Chechnyans. Um, yeah, and they they have a so all the language is fake. Uh, besides yeah. like a couple words in Chinese when the North Koreans are speaking, but I mean. like i'd want to see if people took offense to that Mm -hmm. i thought like it was kind of funny how they did all that and like you're saying like with traveling and international after 9-11 either even other countries kind of got worried about well there were um terrorist attacks right in in europe and i remember we were taking a i was traveling backpacking in europe and we got our bus got stopped on the way um like coming from england into you know in the more like the the mainland or whatever and me and this muslim kid are the only two people that got <laughs> that had to get stops out of the bus we we're the last two to get back on and we kind of looked at each other oh like this is some bullshit but yeah so it's it's it, it leans on kind of like is this just a huge stereotype and a caricature of you know muslims and terrorists and stuff like that but um to the point in this movie these these people were the terrorists right um in these in mm-hmm. these regions and whether it's like the chechnyans the north koreans or um, the north koreans yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting um to look at like um use the bond movies as an example it's always interesting to go back to like the time kind of around the cold war when these movies were coming out because the terrorists or the the enemy are always like Russian ish. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just interesting. Like as, as history progresses, like what we consider the bad guy, the other always changes. Um, And I just find that really fascinating. And I, I only bring up the, the, you know, Jihad, Jihad, Durka Durka, which they say in this, because it, it is amusing and it is silly. And I, I don't think personally that it borderline becomes like, too much because there is not one person in this film that is not completely roasted from yeah the you know you've got the actors who like you've got alec baldwin (laughs) who's like you know and he's like just saying all the buzzwords that we see in hollywood now like you know actors need to get into politics and it's like no shut up yeah they read we read the paper we read the paper and say it as our own opinion exactly there's sean penn because he actually did say that um that he went to iraq and it was great and they said that yeah. snippet where the rivers were flowing with chocolate and the kids ate gumdrops yeah like that actually <laughs> he did say stuff along those lines and before the movie came out sean penn wrote a letter to uh Trey I Matt. Saw, I saw and that. he and he was saying and they were looking at that they're like i don't know if this is to us or just in general but he was the stuff we got him saying in the movie is exactly what he's saying in this letter like it was dead yeah. on so it's pretty funny. You know, it's just like, yeah, all these like A-listers. Listen, I think, I totally think if you have a platform and you have something that you're passionate about, like I'm extremely passionate about rescuing animals, you know, like, mm-hmm. of course, I'm always going to beat the drum. I always want to fight for the equality of women and children and their safety. But I do think it's funny that like, you know, they even said, like, I think it was Ricky Gervais or somebody made fun of it. Like, you know, people get to the Academy Awards or whatever, and they have this platform and they're all sort of like pious and holier than thou, like, so Matt and Trey were kind of making fun of A-listers for being like, we're going to run the peace talks, you know, Alec Baldwin. And and then they were making fun of Team America. And then they were making fun. They just, nobody, like, I personally didn't feel like this movie really targeted one person or one particular group yeah. of people. Like you said, it um, makes fun of everybody got roasted yeah. and it put a light on satire on what Americans do. And even like the sets I was reading, um, they're like, it's not an actual 
location or city it's like what americans think that city yeah. is like they've never been to them but they've been to like the epcot center so like yeah. with paris obviously all those locations you were just there they're not all yeah. in the same spot like no. that and they put them there like that and like the the road was made out of croissants yeah <laughs> and like all the little details in there yeah. so it's it's it made fun of americans it made fun of yeah what like terrorists seem like when you do make fun of a terrorist, like how they act and why yeah, over, over the top, yeah. yeah, over the top, and then like with uh, like in the beginning Kim when Jong Il, the little kid like bumps into this like terrorist that's portrayed of like a- Arab descent, and it's he's you know one of them has like a scar across his face, and they're like he like glares at him, and then when the main character they're like we're gonna transform you into a terrorist so you can act. Uh, Scott was watching it with me and he was dying. Like, he, they, he's like, did you realize it was a towel on his head? They had like a towel wrapped around his head versus a turban. Yeah, it's you know, just a straight towel. brown face. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just what Americans <laughs> think of, you know. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think America came off the worst in this movie. You know, I mean, it's called Team America World Police. It's, it's very much making fun of like the American like... Uh, the war hero movie, you know, like we've saved the day again. Like why, why is it in every blockbuster action film that it's an American elite spy team? Like what about like the Israelis? You know, what about? Sure. But I mean, it's because we're making the movies, right? And to your point with the, the terrorists or the bad guys through time, it's normally who we've just had a conflict with. Right. Or the conflict from that period. So if it's Russians in, you know, that cold war era, era, exactly. Or, you know, more recently, um, you know, like uh, Arab terrorists because of that conflict, right? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. what Hollywood will take and make into a movie. But I think it's funny um, that one of the songs that they had when he's talking about loving loving her and like missing his girl is when he said like how bad um, Pearl Harbor was. Oh, Pearl Harbor sucked just a little <laughs> yeah. bit more than I miss I you. Miss you, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah. uh, what do you say that Ben Affleck needed? Uh, yeah, acting, acting lessons, lessons and, and that Cuba, Cuba needed junior more, more lines. More. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just love this that little all the songs weaved in. You know, yeah. like it's a musical. Yeah, just um, making fun, basically yeah. taking the piss out of everyone. I mean, yeah. even uh, you know their friends, like Matt Damon and, and George Clooney, are friends of theirs, and they were sort of saying like we would have been offended if we weren't in the movie. Yeah, and did yes. you see why Matt Damon only said Matt Damon? Because the puppet came out looking a little bit, <laughs> yeah, special needs, uh, mentally Not delayed. Good. So yeah, they only they said we can't have him be like eloquent, uh, articulate, speak, yeah. articulate, yeah, speak well. So he's just gonna say Matt Damon. Like I, I thought that was I, hilarious. I do, I do think it's interesting as well. North Korea, you know, Kim Jong Il was such a presence at that time. Obviously, he's passed away now, and his son is taking control. I don't feel like we talk about North Korea as much in the in the media. I feel like, you know, it's something that I've been thinking about more like with media coverage. Um, we are so conditioned to, and we talked about it in one of our episodes, you know, they swing a light on one thing and suddenly that becomes the obsession. You know, yeah. recently it's been withdrawing from Afghanistan and then, you know, it's, it's the election and it's this and it's that. And it's just interesting to me. Like, I think Kim Jong, uh, what's his Own. son's name? The Kim son Jong is- Un. Kim Jong-un, you know, it's still quite a worry. You know, I grew yeah. up in, in Asia and I remember feeling like this is, you know, it's it's like having like a trigger happy uncle above you in the, in the apartment above, you know. 
Um, but we just yeah, haven't really like, been we haven't really been talking about North Korea much in the media recently. We we do when they test missiles. Every mm-hmm. time every time they test missiles over there, it's in it's in the mm-hmm. news cycle for for like a, a few weeks, and then mm-hmm. they kind of go away because it's like all right, you know they're. Uh, their economy and the way they treat their citizens and they're hanging on kind of by a thread. Um, mm-hmm. I was listening to another podcast and they're saying like uh, China kind of upholds them a little bit mm-hmm. and they're kind of a buffer for, because um, if democracy gets into North Korea, right, that might be an issue for China because mm-hmm. then, you know, like with like maybe Hong Kong or Taiwan and like South Korea is already there. So mm-hmm. um, they're this, lady that escaped there was saying like China's kind of keeping them up and supporting them a little bit to mm-hmm. keep like the West out. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, yeah, it is. And I think that's going to be something that's going to be interesting and talked about um, in the coming years, because I think, you know, I did grow up in Hong Kong and it's changed significantly since um, the protests all happened and China was basically like, no, And now Taiwan is definitely something um, to think about because, you know, China is a very old country and they do not mind biding their time and waiting. So Mm. it'll be it'll be interesting. But back to the film that we just watched (laughs) as we tell as you are at neither of us geopolitical experts. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and again, like sort of just feeding into that same thing in the film where all the actors like have opinions. But um, I did think. (laughs) I did think it was funny to see, like, you know, 2004 doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but the names of the people that were, like, the A-listers, like Danny Glover and Helen Hunt, Helen Hunt and yeah. Liv, Ta- Liv Tyler and yeah. Tim Robbins, I actually had to ask Scott, I was like, who's Tim Robbins again? And that's so bad, but, like... Oh, uh, you he, definitely, if you saw him, though... Yeah, oh, no, I know, yeah. from Shawshank Redemption, but he hasn't yeah. been top of mind, so it was interesting to see who, like, the A-listers were back in, like, 2004. 2004, yeah, Sam yeah. Jackson. I mean, he's still... Matt he's still, Damon. Yeah, and Ben Affleck's back in the press these days with his new girlfriend, J-Lo. Um, but, yeah, it was just definitely an interesting interesting watch. And um, just also, like, you know, just having worked on, like, kind of an action film, just so funny to see how thing, you know, formulaic it is. I, this might have been something you totally didn't notice, but... Um, at the end where he gives five minutes, he goes, look at that. It's a ticking clock, which if you know anything about screenwriting features, there is a point and it's around the exact time that they put it where it's like they call it the ticking clock. And it's basically the thing that speeds you up to the to the final act. Mm-hmm. Just thought that was really funny that he called it out. And he's like, look at that. It's a ticking clock. Oh, like, that's oh. cool. No, I didn't catch that. Yeah. I love the um, the montage scene, though. Yeah, the montage like, song. speed it up. Like, yeah. like, he went from a like a rookie to a pro. It's a montage. Yeah. yeah. Even montage. Rocky did a montage. a montage. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, that's the thing, too. They're making fun of themselves, right? Yeah. Like, this movie, this must have been so fun to work on. Just saying. Like, first of all, puppets, random as fuck. Mm. Uh, the comedy elements and just, yeah, the musical and... When I when I watch this film again, I'm like, man, Matt and Trey are just so smart and so funny and so like clever. Yeah. Have you, have you seen? I think we might have talked about this, but have you seen Book of Mormon? 
No, not yet. We should if it if it's in LA, we should, let's go. We'll go because yeah. they created that, and it's a musical mm-hmm. about Mormonism, and it's so fucking funny. Yeah. I was dying. Yeah, when I saw it in Milwaukee, and it, oh my god, I've uh, definitely seen their Mormon episode on South Park, which yeah. is so dum 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 dum. I think it's a two parter, and it's very <laughs> like smart. I mean, they just they just roast everybody. Like, yeah, that's just their thing. That's and amazing. They, it's just like South Park. And yeah, take something that just happened, and it'll be in an episode so the next week like yeah because uh, they work on six day cycles to make south park so yeah. they like sort of it's always very current but i mean yeah no one's safe from them and i wonder how many people like in hollywood are secretly like fuck you guys <laughs> yeah. well I, I read that george clooney actually helped get south park greenlit ah. yeah so that's why they might have been um become friends but so like what like <laughs> to the Mar- marionettes like what did you think about that sex scene? And did you see the unedited version? Well, I watched the version today on Netflix while I was yeah. rewatching it. Um, I definitely feel like I saw the unedited version at some point, like around when it came out. You know, the problem with not having the DVDs these days is that you miss out on... Maybe maybe there is, like, if I had gone back to Netflix and looked, you know, like they have the additional features sometimes for the yeah. TV shows. Because um, I definitely remember it being more graphic, so I think I saw that. I, on, uh, yeah, I watched it on YouTube and um, today, and I'd, I'd seen it before, but it's not on the Netflix version. Yeah. And he's like eating her butt, <laughs> like they go to the oh ba- they they go to the bathroom on each other. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh my god. It's um, and they, it got held up. They had to rewrite that scene, I think, a few times, um, to get it from N seventeen to rated R. So, yeah, so they, it took a little bit of work to, to get (laughs) some of that stuff greenlit, but I think this is hilarious. And then, um, I saw that they initially wanted to do a remake of like Armageddon just with the marionettes. Yeah. And just like word for word. (laughs) Just (laughs) with marionettes? Yeah. Oh man, I would see that movie for sure. But the studio that owns Armageddon's that like said said no. no to that. Yeah. I did read that an executive had sort of mistakenly greenlit this film, thinking that it would be so much cheaper with puppets, and then it really wasn't. Blew up to thirty-two million. Did you see? um, So to start the film, um, they showed this for like the execs or whatever, and they open up, and it's just like a random little puppet in front of a painting of the Eiffel Tower, and they were like, "Oh, they fucked us." Isn't that the Isn't that the the scene where it's the guy, the puppet controlling the puppet, controlling the puppet? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they kind of pull out, and then they show like the expansion world that they created which was an awesome shot i really liked how they did that with these sets how they set up um like the scenes they'll start like on one um kind of puppet and then they'll pull out to see all the details of the world that created or that they created which is pretty interesting that is interesting yeah um, I did read that Matt Stone <laughs> vowed never to make another film with Trey Parker because it was so stressful working with them, with each other, because they were working like 17 hours a day, seven days a week, and like right up until the film came out. And I was thinking about that, you know, I just worked on this commercial and it was extremely stressful for like, you know, five weeks and I was working so, sort of similar hours, but it was a short term. Like I cannot imagine the emotional drain and the physical, you know, like these two also make everything together. Um, Mm -hmm. I I wonder if, you know, we've seen so many creative partnerships fall apart and friendships fall apart. I wonder if you and I could work together seven days a week for 17 hours without killing each other. I mean, we probably have some arguments, but if, if the love's there, 
yeah. right? You just you always uh, and the comedy like to that. And it's surely, like, yeah, you start laughing about something. And surely with these two, they like are able to just make a joke. Um, some of the stuff is so ridiculous. You know that it was cooked up by their tired brains, like the vo- <laughs> the vomiting scene. Yeah, they just he just keeps puking, just keeps vomiting. Oh. I was just, it's never yeah. gonna end. Um, they just yeah. got greenlit for like another like fourteen projects or something like that. Wow! So they got like a few more episodes of South Park coming, but then they got Ooh. the studio that greenlit that like also said um, they could do like a bunch of other stuff too. I'm not. Ex- sure on the details but mm-hmm. they definitely got a ton more stuff coming down the pipeline that they just yeah. signed for that's awesome i mean mm-hmm. i love it um i definitely want to see what they come up with because they're just so cracked in the head <laughs> um i did read that they were thinking of putting in american politicians into this film but they ultimately decided not to because they didn't want it to overshadow um like the actual storyline and i think that's good i think at the time it was george bush george w bush oh uh, okay um what do you think do you think that we needed any american politicians in this film no i don't think they needed to at all um they did have the guy that headed up the um the un the un what is it blinks hans, hans blinks or something like hans that binks, uh, hans yeah. Blink, and he's like, yeah fuck you hans binks fuck you hans binks. <laughs> he's like what or else what we're going to write a very, very angry letter. Letter. You know, show us all of your. It's true. <laughs> Unfortunately yeah. true. And I so, was trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out what the, you know, there were supposed to be sharks in the fish tank. I think they must've been catfish, catfish or something. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. yeah. The best was definitely the, uh, the jaguars that were just like the little br- black kittens. <laughs> came out. And Sarah's like, puts her hands up. No felines. Yeah. We're not your enemy. And Joe goes, you really don't have psychic powers, Sarah. Yeah. No, that was amazing. I mean, <laughs> it was also hilarious. Yeah. It just even in introducing the characters, they're like, he's the best martial artist in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. and, or he's like the star quarterback, quarterback from Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. It's just, it's so and true. Then even Gary Johnson was the best actor out of Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> and he was the top of his class, summa cum laude. Yeah, double major in world language and theater. Um, I did read that the film was inspired by the Thunderbirds. Did you ever watch that as a kid? The Thunderbirds. Yeah, I I recall it. A little yeah, bit, it was yeah. like it was kind of like a puppet show, and it was a very. And when you find out that this was inspired by that that show, it's interesting because it did have a similar look and aesthetic. Um, and I definitely remember watching the Thunderbirds. The the vehicles were very similar. Obviously, mm. this one had way more explosions. But um, I just think that we don't have enough puppet-related shows these days. Like, I think because you know, it's so hard to do. It's so they, hard. They had to create 270 different puppets. That's crazy. And um, just like one of the little Uzis, like one of the little guns that the yeah. puppets used, was like $1,000 to make. So you think like all the little wow. details that went in this movie um, and all those sets. And these things were like two feet, around like two feet tall. They wanted them yeah. like uh, a third of the size of a human. Um, yeah. So it's just uh, a lot went into it. And I, I was watching a video on it. They use what they call force perspective. And they uh-huh. used 12-inch puppets in the background uh-huh. because they didn't have enough space to work with. And then they'd have smaller pictures of locations um, to Got make it, it look like it was a lot larger in the back. But just watching these people, like with the, like setting up the cameras and all the different mm-hmm. little sets, it it looked like there a lot of work went into this movie. Oh my God, so much. And I did enjoy like the details, like um, 
in Panama, the leaves of the trees are made out of marijuana. Mm-hmm. In in Hollywood, when Alec Baldwin is addressing in front of the Film Actors Guild, um, which is just the acronym is PAG, which I was like, oh my god, you know, and he just keeps <laughs> using the word, and I just hate that word, you know. Um, they were dollar bills um, on the trees. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Like they definitely used like household like um, items to show how big these guys were if you if yeah. you watch carefully and also I loved when they took the main character like around America and they were singing that song freedom isn't free it's a dollar it's a hefty fucking fee and I, it's like a dollar five or something or a dollar fifty chip in your bucko five bucko freedom five, costs yeah. a bucko five but they take him to like all these monuments in Washington and then you yeah. just see how tiny he is he's like holding like, the rope under yeah, like the, yeah. the Lincoln Memorial or whatever yeah. yeah. Oh, and he's on his motorbike is really funny too. And like you can tell they just had him driving along like some of the hills up here, like these roads. And then he like <laughs> the bike gets knocked over. Listen, there's a lot to love about this film. It's very silly and you can tell they just had a blast making it. But it, yeah. yeah, I'm sure a lot of work went, went into it because mm-hmm. the facial expressions, the detail of the costumes, the detail of the sets, like my God. Yeah, they are animatronics and they're like they had a bunch of different um like relays or whatever in the head in the back of the heads that i saw mm. and then they used a computer program that they like they changed it's their um changed from like its actual use to for this movie and it would sync up with the eyes moving and the lips so they could sync up audio with the uh animatronics of the puppets damn yeah that's a lot. so a lot of tedious work to make tedious work and and also, like, thinking about it just from, you know, having worked with a director now for over a year, like, very closely, the amount of – when I was looking at, like, the way they shot listed, must have, you know, you, you we see it as a cohesive project. These shots had to be meticulously planned out, you know, like, the one where they swoop out um, over the top. Like, in a, in a normal movie where it's not puppets, you can just get a crane or something, but – if I remember correctly from the making of this, they had like these sound stages built with like walkways and all the puppeteers like up on these walkways. So it's just like, just so many moving pieces, like where to put the camera, how to move the camera, how to operate these multiple characters. It's just like fascinating. Mm -hmm. So like from a technical point of view, like incredible that they pulled it off. Incredible. Yeah. And that's probably why that, that budget ballooned, but they, they did make some money back. I think it, gross like 50 over a little over 50 million okay worldwide but i i don't the one of the videos i watched there won't be a sequel to this <laughs> but it's like if you spend all the money on all those um puppets and why couldn't you just use those again make, for something again. else exactly yeah to, to you could use all those resources that you use to make this one and just you know change a few things and add to it but you already have a ton of the puppets um you could probably use the same um like mass or whatever that they used because the the puppets were all the same they would just switch out the switch faces out the heads, yeah. yeah switch out the heads it's just interesting like i wonder where all those puppets are currently right mm-hmm. now like do people did everybody just go home with one you know like, <laughs> here's your crew gift here's this thousand dollar thing that we created yeah. you know or is it sitting in like Trey or Matt's basement somewhere or some kind of like production studio just has boxes yeah. and boxes of these characters. Like See if somebody makes something else. Be interesting. Yeah, just in case. I mean, also though, with like almost 20 years passing a spy, I think it's what, it's like 18 or 17 now. It's like, has the technology moved on so much now? Um, 
would people want to watch puppet movies? I mean, I per- personally would. <laughs> yeah. But this movie was just so groundbreaking at the time. And I, I read that they actually had a way to make those wires look less visible, but they chose not to do it because people were like, it just looked too weird. Like they wanted to see that it was puppets. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which I think that I didn't see that, but that's great that they did that. Cause it's so yeah. funny when he gets, uh, Gary Johnson gets kicked out of the bar. He's like, get out of here, you drunk. And then hell, he just like stumbles into a bunch yeah. of things like on purpose. And I just love how you can see the wires in their, oh, their yeah. legs and feet moving or when, um, when they uh, fight, was when so they great. fight, yeah, they just kind of like go next Looks to each silly. other and move. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it adds to it so much. It's just over the top. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and you know, I got to be honest with you, I am a little afraid of puppets. I think I had a traumatic experience with Uh-oh. probably like Sesame Street, Sesame Street, or um, the Muppets. But um, these puppets not so much scary because they're more marionettes. The ones I always was like a bit freaked out by like. Um, yeah, like Miss Piggy and stuff. I don't know. The ones the ones from under. The ones from above are good. But... <laughs> the ones from under. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the under puppets. Under puppets. But <laughs> the yeah, it's just mind boggling to think every single one of these characters had a hair and makeup team, probably, you know, costume just all the like you said, all the little details. Yeah. It's, Really ridiculous. I I wanted to look this up, and I was like, "There's no way to calculate this, though, because um, like I wonder how much the U.S. has caused in damage in countries that we've had conflicts in, right? Mm. So just take a place like Cairo or or Paris, like, yeah, we're trying to stop terrorism, right? So the act is good, but we destroyed a ton of like artifacts and things that you really can't put a price on. So I'm wondering like what the price tag would be when we step into a, a conflict area like that and destroy a bunch of shit trying to fight terrorism and uh, like, especially in Paris. They kind of, they kind of make that, the in, um in that TV show on Amazon, the boys, they kind of talk about that a little bit. Like, you know, these average people getting sort of killed by these heroes. And it's, yeah. it's interesting. Like I do, I think, you know, obviously taking it to the super, Superman type level is interesting, but then the reality is, yes, like when we are going after these people to save for the greater good, like what's the actual toll yeah. financially, human yeah. life wise? It's it's really crazy to think about, <laughs> to be honest. Um, everything is bomb. But everything is bomb. <laughs> but I did think that um, this film also became like pretty quickly a part of american culture you know like america fuck yeah like if you say that people know or like matt damon like people know it so much of this you know has become like cult classic ish uh and that's pretty fucking crazy yeah it is if you think about it but no i loved the film and i'm glad we rewatched it and i think it does feel culturally relevant right now because of everything that's going on and i just hope that American can America can learn its lessons and not try to be the world police, but I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You hope with like getting out of Afghanistan, even though it it did seem botched a little bit, like they didn't pull it off as clean as they they could have. Um, but I mean, that's kind of what we do. We mm-hmm. we we have good intentions, and then <laughs> we fuck stuff up a little bit on the way out. So yeah. uh, we'll see. I, I'm all for not getting into conflicts and using, you know, like a small percentage of that money that we, we blow on these conflicts into just more, more intelligence. Not bad intelligence, but, um, you know, good intelligence. 
to <laughs> to stop I mean, some of this stuff. My totally unsolicited opinion is that, you know, conflict and striking is not always the answer, but like if you have programs to help people and I mean, people probably say like, shut the fuck up, Australia. And like, you don't know what you're talking about. Cause I come from a country that isn't one of the superpowers, you know, we're just like yeah. chilling on, on the other side of the world, locking our borders to try to get to COVID zero and suddenly realizing that's not going to happen. Um, that's a sidebar FYI for anyone that's not following the news. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, to me, it's like America has always been like, oh, we have a problem. Let's address it with warheads or like army yeah. or guns. And even in like within your own country, it's like violence isn't the answer. We don't need more police. We need more um, reform and mental health care and, you know, For sure. stuff like that. Like, so, I mean, we had to get the people behind 9-11, but then we stayed and wasted a ton of money. And um, it just wasn't pulled off how they thought, like especially in that conflict, we're not, we shouldn't be nation builders. Right. And you got a lot of different, um, mindsets of the, um, people that live in that country and we're just not going to probably get everybody on the same page. So it's like, can we help from a distance? Can we help through United Nations? You know what I mean? Like we shouldn't just be, um, the ones doing everything and throwing a lot of lives at it. And then people come back and they get, you know, have to deal with depression and all that stuff. And then also the, the financially, all the money we throw at it, like we should be doing this with other countries and saying like, Hey, let's all, you know, formulate a plan for this. Um, and then see, see what we can do about it. Right. To kind of keep, and again, again, neither of us are experts in this field, um, at all by any means, but also I think, you know, it worries me when, you start to read about like why certain things are a higher priority for governments than other things, you know, and it can be like resources and financial gain. Like that's when it starts, you know, ultimately like I just care about people. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, money is what we need to survive, but like, and this is me probably being a total snowflake liberal who everyone's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But like, I just care about like the people of Afghanistan that are impacted now by Americans coming and leaving and coming Mm -hmm. and leaving. You know, I care about the people in these places who are just like you and me, who just want to live their lives. And, you know, obviously there's always going to be bad people. There's bad people here in America who decided to go after Asian Americans during COVID. But, you know, I, I just, I hope that America can really find the leadership to just, you know, be a beacon and just be, um, world builders instead of, you know, world destroyers or community, yeah. you know, it's whatever just, you're saying. There's, yeah. there's, there's pussies and there's dicks, right? Dicks. And then there's sometimes, assholes. sometimes <laughs> dicks fuck pussies. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, if, dicks if have the to dicks d- don't fuck the assholes, everybody's going to get, get shit, shit. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's a great, great metaphor. And on that yeah. note, Mr. David, <laughs> well, what did you think? of this movie it's only um, came out in 2004 oh no we have to do our shout outs first my yeah, bad yeah do you want to go first i have mine to? yes no i'll yeah. do mine i yeah. wanted to shout i wanted to shoot out shoot out no i didn't i wanted to shout out judy brown um she was the script coordinator on this film and i actually typed into google what does a script coordinator do because some people may not know what that is so a script coordinator ooh, a script coordinator is a role Uh, in the production or film series that is responsible for producing each draft of the script and annotating it for ease and use in the production team. So in TV, 
um, script coordinators, you know, make sure if there's any changes, they're in charge of doing that and like sending them out to all the different departments. In a film, a script coordinator is also like responsible for continuity and making sure they annotate like which scenes they liked on the film. I just worked on a couple of years ago. Um, we had a script coordinator named Scotty Peterson, who was amazing and just, you know, had such a hard job. These people just oftentimes don't get the recognition and oftentimes in TV, it's a minimum wage job and it's a very time consuming and taxing job. And there's actually a bit of a movement in the unions right now to get people, you know, paid what they deserve and just to recognize these people. So Judy also worked on My Name is Earl. She worked on Shark. She worked on What About Brian? She worked on Star Trek Enterprise, um, Ros- excuse me, Roswell, um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. She had an amazing career. Um, I couldn't find anything after 2008 that she was up to. And I tried to stalk her on the internet because I am a creep and I couldn't Mm -hmm. find anything. But I hope wherever she is, she's doing something that she loves. And Judy, we see you and we appreciate you. We see you and we appreciate you, Judy. Yeah, Judy. What about you? What you got? I went with Jim Daltz and Mm. he is an art director and production design. And one of the videos I watched like behind the scenes, um, and Jim was a production designer on this. They kind of took it to him first and he read the script. He loved it. And he's like, okay, now, now what? So he was the one that kind of knew the direction to go to actually make this happen Mm. with, with the marionettes and with the sets and how they were going to shoot it and everything. So, um, and how it had to be done. So, you know, they, they took it to him with the, with the script. He loved it. And then he was the one that kind of got the things in motion. Um, yeah. And he's, he's looks like he's done a ton of stuff. He's uh, worked on a few things, um, as an art director, uh, flatliners, last action hero, what dreams may come. Um, but yeah, for this one, it was, it was production design and without him, this movie probably doesn't, um, either get get made the way it was or it was it wouldn't get have been pulled off like it had because he was like the man with the master plan basically i love so, that yeah jim we see you and we appreciate you. we see you and we appreciate you jim david yes do you think that this film has aged like milk what is your humble um, opinion <laughs> i still love this movie mm-hmm. um the only thing I'd say that would be a little bit aged and we didn't get into it too much is the, you know, the fag thing, the film actors mm-hmm. guild. Right. Um, so I know that Trey and Matt, they don't use it like, you know, to be homophobic, to be homophobic and to, uh, you know, put, put people from that community down, but you could just, you could argue that, you know, we, we don't really use those words anymore. Right. Because they can be hurtful to people in that community. Um, even though they're just making fun of actors and it's more like they're like stupid, lame, whatever. But, um, overall, I think this movie is amazing. And then just watching behind the scenes and how everything was set up. And like you said, all the little details, um, there was one guy that had a basket on his head full of like goldfish and (laughs) like all the little things that they threw in there. Um, I think this movie was amazing. I think, uh, to your point of everybody got roasted in this and it makes fun of everybody, even, you know, just Americans and then everybody on the world stage and how ridiculous humans can be Mm. sometimes. Uh, especially like when we get tribal and, um, you know, rah, rah for just your team. So I, I thought they crushed it with this movie and I am you know excited to see what else Trey and, and Matt put out. 100%. What about you? I would agree with you. I think, you know, one thing we didn't talk about as well was like 
at the start, the musical that the main character actor is in is it's clearly Rent, but it's called Lease, and it's like everyone has AIDS, and your mom and your best friend too. AIDS, 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 AIDS. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't like the F word. Um, I think Matt and Trey have always used it in South Park, and there's a whole episode where they're like use it and they like we don't mean it like this you're like mm. this if you drive a loud motorbike yeah um <laughs> i do but i also do think like we do have to be careful of the portrayal of people and you know like i was saying with the islamophobia um but you know that's me being like super politically correct and being like you know i i just don't want people to be offended but i think that this film makes fun of every single person equally to be honest um you know, the North Koreans, everybody, America, actors, even the United Nations, you know, and it's, um, yeah, I think it's still a relevant film because if you watch it now, like so many years later, you also kind of get a snapshot into how obsessed the world was with fighting terrorists. And honestly, terrorism has existed forever. Um, you, you know, I remember when, remember when they were going into countries looking for these uh, ma- weapons of mass destruction and places like didn't have them, but they were just like mm. pointing the finger at everyone. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to remember that, yeah, that like you said, more damage can be inflicted by going into these places than if they didn't. Uh, we don't have the answer. We're just silly podcast hosts. You and know? we we know about it after the fact. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So we get into a conflict and then we can talk about it years later. Right. If it didn't work out, and we can be, um, you know, put those people down that were behind right. it. And I can't imagine how difficult it must be to be a politician who's trying to, you know, probably gets into politics because they want to do the right thing and then is faced with like two terrible decisions. Like, do we let these terrorists keep going in whatever country or do we, you know, sacrifice this village to da da da? Like, it's all, it's not, sure. it's shit. I just, you know, di- like, I disagree with you. I don't think, uh, and hopefully someone changed my mind, but I don't, I don't think a lot of politicians get into it anymore for uh, the goodness of their heart. I think it's maybe. more of the, uh, the eliteness of the job exactly mm. and the exposure yeah and you're probably right you're well, probably right i just I, there's there's a generation of people in the in the politics now i think who are coming up who i see that make me hopeful yeah. a lot of a wi- lot of women a lot of diversity um hopefully they don't change right yeah you yeah. well, i'm just an optimist so i'm just like gonna be like oh yeah hopefully but um, yeah, tell us about your opinions. Write to us at agelikemilkpodcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Tweet us, um, Instagram us, do whatever. All the things. David, it's great to be home and to yeah. see you and to keep talking movies with you. We hit our 40th episode a couple weeks ago. Um, super proud of that. We're going to keep doing it until we run out of movies, which will be never. Never. Um, never. And I'm excited to introduce some interesting guests coming up soon. I know we've got a couple in the books, so a couple thank fun you so ideas. Yeah. yeah. You should probably uh, check your fridge, David. And make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Because <laughs> gross milk is gross. That's our show. Please, uh, yeah, reach out to us. We love to hear from you. And, and this movie was actually suggested by Suck someone. my cock, Gary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Let's pass through the eye of the needle together, David. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet you on the next one. Bye. Peace.